The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Let's go, baby. Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, August 9th. 2023 season 19 episode number 16 welcome to the latest edition of the break we're live from oxnard california in a morning where we've seen a little bit of rain mm. thanks to our uh, our trusty producer josh for uh, for saving us saving all of our equipment we're on a few minutes late but trust us it's better than the alternative we were able to kind of get everything back in order after the rain. And, so as it uh, turns out, it does rain. It absolutely does rain. I don't know who wrote that song. Tony, but Tony, Tony, you lied to us. Yeah, that, that's not the truth. That <laughs> it does rain in Southern California. And uh, and it's looking like it may be a little bit more of that tomorrow, too. So, mm. so we'll be ready for that tomorrow. Um, but ready for another show. It is our last show of the week. It's actually the last show that Miss Amber Garcia will be joining us because she's going to stay back in Dallas when we go there this weekend. So next week, it'll be you and me, Patrick. We'll hey, we, have to we hold good. it down. We good. The last two Unfortunately, survivors. Unfortunately, we won't have the uh, the benefit of a yellow-green argument. No. That would be a boring gone, show. <laughs> now, I'm sure some people will like it. So y'all have fun next week. Wow. Um, so we'll have, we'll, have a, we'll have a special guest on with us next week. Uh, should we? Should, we probably should go ahead and just say. I'm go kidding. Ahead. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Nick join us next I'm week. Kidding. So it'll be me, Nick, and Patrick. Uh, we'll bring Nick back to the show for there one week. He uh, he he wouldn't gloat. You were but saying that like it was see, gonna be a mega surprise. Know, right. like, <laughs> well, like, that's, that's honestly the reason why. That's honestly the reason why I said it is because there have been people that have been tweeting me like, "Is it this person? Is it this person?" And I'm like, uh, "No, y'all getting your hopes way up." Yeah, because you, you you can't dangle, <laughs> literally just yeah, you Nick. can't dangle the carrot over right, social no, it's media. Just they Nick. will go. All they over will the come place, back really. and, and, and kind of spend the week with us because Brian oh, and Amber Prince? will be no, back in Dallas. So, uh, so we'll do that next week. But for today, uh, we've got some things. We didn't get a, get a chance to get into those camp battles last show um, because we spent the whole show talking about uh, kickers. Mm. But we'll do a little bit of kicker talk today as well. But, uh, but we'll get to those camp battles and go through those positions and see where those are lining up uh, for you guys. Before we do that, though, let's get caught up on and, – and real quick, I do want to mention also, as usual – you guys have the ability to talk to the show. We have our text line up and rolling. The number is 817-290-3298. Again, 817-290-3298. You can send us questions. You can send us comments. You can interact with the show via the text line. So uh, so feel free to join that and, uh, and get on that right now. Patrick, let's get some updates on some injuries. A couple guys uh, got banged up a little bit in practice. Mozzie Smith. Tyler Biotis, what are we hearing? So a couple of uh, scares yesterday in practice, but news is promising. Mozzie Smith, rookie first-round pick, uh, he did not participate in yesterday's padded practice due to what I'm told is knee tendonitis. He did undergo an MRI. I'm told it was precautionary. I'm also told that the MRI results came back all is well. There's no structural you know, or major issues with Mozzie's knee. I walked and spoke with Mozzie a little bit after practice yesterday. Key to note, there's no knee brace that he's using and there's no wrap on either of his knees. And he said, quote unquote, I'll be all right. So uh, all things considered, that's good news. Still something to keep an eye on as far as uh, next week when padded practices continue. But I don't know that I would expect Mozzie Smith to take um, 
the field Saturday against the Jaguars, but we'll see. We'll see. Has a couple of days for that. Need to calm down. We'll see if the Cowboys uh, want to push that. Probably not, but we'll see. Tyler Biadish, he left practice yesterday with what I was told was a rolled ankle. Uh, he did return to the sideline. He tested it out a bit, but then he was ultimately shut down for the rest of the day. I'm also told there that it's nothing major. He will, quote, unquote, be fine. Cowboys just taking extra precaution with their starting center, which is paramount especially considering the ongoing situation with zach martin you cannot lose tyler beatish for any amount of time um david durden on the same day that he made a fantastic play the wide receiver um he left after that play um with was a great play it was was a fantastic play play. and you hate that you get the bitter with the sweet on that one so he made a great play one of the better highlights that we've seen in camp from these young wide receivers, and we keep talking about them, um, but he did leave the field thereafter with a head injury. He's being evaluated. Uh, we'll see if he can participate. Today's going to be the mock game slash walkthrough. We'll see if he uh, is cleared to get on the field on Saturday, but if not, that's that's what the Cowboys are dealing with from uh, Durden's standpoint. So all things considered, Mozzie Smith, Tyler Biadish, very positive news. Yeah, Cowboys got more good news with uh, Luke Schoonmaker mm-hmm. made his appearance for the first time in uh, in padded practice here over the last couple of days. What are, what are we seeing from him so far? I like what I'm seeing from from the uh, rookie second round. Pick. Jeez, hold I on. like it. Almost I broke like the it. table out of I excitement. Like it, that's, how, that's how much I like it. I, I have been waiting to see Schoonmaker in pads on the field. Yeah. He wasn't cleared from NFI, the non-football injury list, until this past Monday. He participated in individual drills then, uh, and I asked Mike McCarthy the next morning, you know, is this going to be the plan, just indie drills and position drills for the remainder of the week? And, and Mike said straightforward, no, we're going to try to ramp him up. And so it happened on yesterday. He actually got some team drills, Schoonmaker did, and scored his first touchdown, touchdown. of his first ever NFL training camp, uh, which was impressive. But even more impressive to me was a particular play uh, in the red zone. He ran out, crossed the route. And the throw was not there by Cooper Rush. It was a little, it sailed a bit in the back of the end zone. But Schoonmaker went completely horizontal. He, he tried his best to make that play. That tells me there's some com- a lot of confidence he has in that foot to be able to plant and throw his body weight off of it. So Schoonmaker, his workload is expected, as long as there were no setbacks after yesterday's practice, it's expected to, to ramp up. So now, even though I don't expect him to take the field on Saturday, there's a growing chance that he might. So we'll see how that goes. What surprised me from what I saw about him was how, um, what do you call this, like physical yes. and, and athletic he was. Because you look at him walking, and he's tall, a big and boy. he looks <laughs> a little stiff. He, he's just tall and just looks, you know, but he's out there. He's just jumping, throwing himself, catching the ball, the and, and what was the most surprising to me is how, seeing how fast he was able to just kind of plug in play right. type of player. He was out there, did everything that he needed to do, didn't look lost. And that's one of the things we talk about when young guys, rookies, miss some time is, okay, what are they, you know, the time missing with running certain plays with the guys out there and being on the same page. It didn't look like he missed a beat. He got in there and like Patrick said, he did everything he needed to do, caught that touchdown. Everyone was cheering. So it's just very, very positive to see that in the first look. And credit to him for doing those mental reps. And that's something that I yeah. noticed that he was doing. I, I presented it to McCarthy and asked him about it. And some of the other players, I asked Jake Ferguson about it. And it, 
they took notice and they said, hey, we noticed that while he was on the NFI list, he was on the sideline and he was going through mm -hmm. mental reps and you'd see him doing kind of phantom drills uh, that coincided with whatever the team rep was so that, to your point, Ambar, when he uh, jumped in, he was able to shorten his learning curve. So he's still behind the eight ball just a little bit, but not as far as he could be if he was not taking it at, that seriously in the meeting rooms and on the sidelines. You mentioned Tyler Biotish. Uh, interestingly, Cowboys uh, coach Mike McCarthy was talking about uh, Matt Farniak and saying that one of the things they're going to try to do with him is have him more focused on center uh, than guard. Um, what was what was what was the rationale for that? Because I look at the the team and I, and I think about what they're needing on offense right now, and with Zach Martin out and and needing help at guard. What was the rationale saying Matt Farniak? We're really going to focus him in on center and, and spend more time at center versus splitting between center and guard. And I think this kind of goes back to the conversation, the question that you posed a couple of episodes ago, um, if that, when you were asking to, behind Zach Martin, interior offensive lineman, name who you got, rank yeah. him. And I said, I got Matt Farniak, and then it's, it's a muddled mess behind him. Um, but that being said, Farniak, we've all acknowledged that it's a drop-off when Zach Martin is not there from Zach to, to Matt. Um, and the explanation from Mike McCarthy yesterday for – trying to make him a little bit more exclusive to one position center to see what they can get there is because he's kind of starting to struggle a bit. Uh, asked Mike about it, and he said that he believes, Mike believes, that it's because they're asking him to do too much swing as opposed to committing him to a particular position and allowing him to try to thrive in that position. Um, so it'll, it's, it's intriguing and concerning at the same time because if I'm walking in and I admit, this is me speaking, if I admit that the equation behind Farniak at interior offensive lineman is concerning, and Biotish is not a major injury concern, but now you're going to commit for the next few days Farniak to center. Who's your right guard? Is it Josh Ball, who struggled at that position? Um, awesome Richards, rookie fifth-round pick, but he's being flexed as well. Uh, you know, like, where are we going with that? Because keep in mind, Alec Lindstrom, he has to get reps at center as well. So as we go forward with this camp, the interior offensive line concerns that I have are not shrinking. They're growing. So, And at practice, I've seen in different occasions, and I'm very, very concerned about the offensive line right now. Even I, I know Zach, uh, he's a huge part, and he helps both guys on his sides. But even then, some of the things I'm just concerned, like if there was an injury to occur, anything that happens – in the first few weeks of the season, I'm like, okay, we might be a little screwed up because at practices, in practice, some of these guys, when they're going up against and I see the, the O-linemen just bending backwards, like the defensive line guys, the linemen just completely push them back and there's just so much stronger to me that, from what I've been seeing. And... I had on my mind, oh, my God, well, somebody's going to get injured here because you see how many times they fall backwards or they just can't handle And you see that ankle just kind of twisting a little bit and you get concerned. But right now it's just even when when some of the starters are in there, it's, it, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the holes being created for, for the running game and how that's going to look like. I'm concerned the consistency of it and – Injury-wise, uh, I, I don't know. This, you, and I think I'm starting to feel it because we're starting to get ready for a game on Saturday, mm -hmm. and I get it. You're not going to be playing your starter, most of your starters. But 
the regular season is like in a month. We got only three preseason games, and it's starting to feel more real as we're going through each practice. Do we think that maybe part of that is the fact that, I mean, let's just be honest, this offensive line is not a dominant offensive line. We've been here when we've seen the Cowboys have dominant offensive lines. Yeah. I don't think that's what this is. And when you really consider it, every day in practice, they're going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL. And quite frankly, if you look at the, the last game that we saw the Cowboys play against the San Francisco 49ers, that's basically what you're getting every day in practice. 49ers are right up there, one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL. And the Cowboys are practicing that caliber of defense every day. Yes. So when you have an offensive line that's not dominant, that's not elite, that's a good offensive line, mm-hmm. but not a great offensive line, then this is what you're going to see. And, and so I, I look at that and I'm like, okay, that doesn't cause me great concern. What it does, though, it does make me think, man, how are they going to have to develop throughout this year? Because when they get to the playoffs, guess what? It's going to be teams like mm-hmm. – Philadelphia and like San Francisco, San Francisco who are going to be Two sitting there, and when you're going to have to play those defenses, you learn to you're gonna, yeah, you're going to have to figure point. it out. So that that's more what I'm concerned about is okay, y'all got a season to figure this out, mm-hmm. but y'all better get better as the season goes on because if this is what you're doing by the time you get to the postseason, you might have some more problems. Like you got to figure this out by the time you get to the postseason. For for my part, I believe both things are true. I, I believe that this Cowboys defense and defensive line uh, is just ferocious. It is absolutely ferocious. And if they were scrimmaging against the 49ers offensive front, if they were scrimmaging against the Eagles offensive front, I think you'd see uh, not entirely similar, but you'd still see some offensive line guys getting bent backwards. Uh, That's just going to happen. Um, but that being said, and, and kudos, and I had a good conversation with Coach Sherry Floyd, uh, assistant uh, defensive line coach yesterday, and he was just ear to ear talking about how his guys are winning out there and the talent, saying that this is the most talent he's seen on any team he's been a part of. Mm-hmm. But then when you do flip it to the other side, you have timing that has to occur and be built between Tyron and Tyler on the left side. That's something that Big 7-7 Seven Seven spoke about, specifically trying to build that chemistry. But I, I don't know, because you know that Tyler Beattis, she's a Pro Bowl caliber center. Uh, Terrence Steele, for me, can be a Pro Bowl caliber right tackle. And he looks like he's back to form. But give him a little more time, still looks like he's back to form. So if you go down the line, Tyron Smith, and he's playing well. I know people are seeing clips online, and they're like, oh, he keeps getting beat. He's getting beat more often than not by Micah Parsons. <laughs> right. Okay, and he's won against Micah Parsons several times, but – my question that I pose to everyone is how many Micah Parsons are there in the league that Tyron Smith's going to have to go up against? So yeah. when you get that answer, you that'll put some perspective. And if Micah wasn't winning, we'd be saying, what's wrong with Micah? Right. Like, Micah's got to win some, Correct. too. It's got to go back Correct. and forth because you got two great players. And, and you, at this point in their career, you should expect Micah to be winning. With yeah. his skill set and his youth, you should expect that more. And him knowing that. Tyron as he and talked there about you in go. his press um, conference. Yeah. But when I, there was a play a couple of practices ago when I saw Tyron Smith Engage in a block, shed it. Engage in a second-level block, shed it. And then he was at the third level looking for another block. I think Tyron's going to be all right. So, assuming Tyron remains healthy, I'm good with him at left tackle, obviously. Tyler Smith, I'm on record. I'm good with him at left guard. Good. Tyler Biadish, Pro Bowl center. I'm good with him. He's healthy. Skip over. Go to right tackle. I'm good with Terrence Steele. Where am I not good? Right guard. So, the Zach Martin equation, this is where it comes into play because if anybody's seen the movie 300, you know that the wall is only as strong as the weakest link. It's called a phalanx. So one of the reasons the defensive line continues to get through is because the shield is shattering at this point. 
the right guard, that's where it's shattering, right? Be it Matt Farniak there or some Richards, whatever the case may be. So because that shatters, it causes everything else on the offensive line to give way on any given rep. I promise you, I feel confident that once the Zach Martin situation is remedied, you will see more impact reps from this offensive line as a unit because it has to operate as, as such, as a unit. If one person, particularly the interior, if the interior lineman fails, that's a lost rep. If the left tackle or right tackle fails, you can probably mask that with a chip uh, from a tight end or the running back out of the backfield. But if either one of your interior linemen lose that rep, somebody's in the backfield and Dak Prescott's face, it's a disruption, it's an interception, it's a, a fumble, whatever the case may be. Or another injury, which we do not we, want to We don't want to you speak that. No, 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 no. First the rain. <laughs> no, turn, break the stable down by knocking it. No, uh, but you know what? It, I've seen quite a, and I don't think that's a storyline whatsoever, like something that a lot of people are saying, but I've seen it. Several people kind of mention, oh, well, is Dak now becoming injury prone? And I'm like, no, the injuries that have occurred have been just random acts that it's yes. not like a reoccurring injury that's happening, it's but the fact football. that it's been, yeah. exactly, <laughs> but the fact that he's now suffer multiple injuries where it's, prevented him from playing and losing playing time. Um, that is something that I've seen on Twitter. Multiple people mention that, but I don't think yeah. it's concerning. But it is something that, you know, it only takes that one play. And you do need how – even though he's a mobile quarterback and I think he can definitely run and he should run, you still need that protection in front of him. All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to get to uh, some of the thoughts that these guys have from the uh, previous practice, uh, some things that have stood out to them, players that may have stood out to them, and then we'll get into some of our camp battles. When we come back, DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Hey, Cowboys fans, ready to spice up your next watch party? Bring Yokiero guacamole and be the game day hero. Yokiero means I want, and we know you want great, fresh-tasting, ready-to-serve guacamole for your home-gating and tailgating events. Made with real avocados and the perfect blend of spices, it will be the star of any party. You can find us at your local Albertsons or Tom Thumb in the deli section. 
If you can't find it, talk to your store manager and tell them, Yo quiero, yo quiero guacamole. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Back to the break. Do you guys like barbecue? I yes. love, love barbecue. Absolutely. My favorite. Mm, well, I expect you both to be at AT&T Stadium on October 7 and 8. I don't know what that looks like for the schedule, but <laughs> one of those days, maybe you can we make might it. Be uh, <laughs> we, we, I was about to say, we might be working, but whatever. At the Miller Lighthouse, they're going to have 30,000 pounds of brisket, Ooh, chicken, ooh-wee. pulled pork, and ribs smoking. That sounds like a bros function. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cute barbecue <laughs> fest. Just saying. Tickets are on sale now at SeatGeek.com, the official ticketing provider of AT&T Stadium. Welcome back. We are in the second segment of The Break. This segment brought to you by Blockchain.com. And might I just say, Ding. Amber, you need to do the reads every day. You're way better than that than Nick ever was. Like, that was really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Like, you make me want barbecue yeah. right now. That was really good. Well, I guess that was It's not even 9.30 California time I'm sitting and over I'm here like, thinking about brisket and yeah. ribs. Shoot, it's easy and... to get anyone excited about barbecue. Yeah. Let's go. Well, we're going to mm. do steak tonight, so that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Got a little team outing, get some mm-hmm. good food. Oh, um, yeah. All right, so we are in, we're in the second segment. We are going to now move on. Before we get to your standout moments and standout players, uh, I think it's, I think it's a good idea for us to give people an update on the kicker situation because the last time we talked about the kickers, it was coming off the mojo moment that they had during the blue white practice and all of the misses. And since then, the Cowboys have shed a kicker and mm-hmm. it's down to just one. Uh, but I'd love for you guys to give an update on Brandon Arbery. What are you seeing from him? What has he done over the last couple of days? It may have made you feel a little bit better or made you feel like it still is a problem. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts? Do you have the number of misses? Because uh, what I've seen so far doesn't make me feel any much better. This whole thing of Mike McCarthy saying, well, now we're going to give him all the reps. Uh, that's not how he talks, but you get my <laughs> I was point. It doesn't sound like Mike. <laughs> no, that's whatever. not at all. That's like Mike not in Ambar's voice. <laughs> right, right. Uh, um, no, but I, I was just like, it made me raise an eyebrow when he said, well, I'm excited about the young guy, and now we're going to give him all the reps, and we're going to see how he does. Uh, I will say he ha- he was able to make some, and that was good. He didn't miss all of them, but still, I think the the lack of consistency is a problem. And right now, my opinion hasn't necessarily changed, and I don't feel better. I'm still waiting to see when they're gonna bring in another guy because there's no way this is it. Like you, automatically, you do need by default in the name of the sports and competition, you do need to add another body to add competition out here. You hit the nail on the head with the word consistency. I need to see Brandon Aubrey string together several good days. Now, to his credit, he came off of what can only be described as a debacle between uh, him and Tristan Vizcaino in the blue-white practice. Uh, After Vizcaino was released, Aubrey went seven for nine 
in that in right. the following practice. So that is wonderful, fantastic. Put that feather in the cap on this field. On this field. On this field. This Different field. field from the other. <laughs> completely over there. So now we thinking but, that is a. I, is I, a I, I mean, maybe I don't know. Well, but. He, they were shooting from this field when they, they did, almost took us all out. True. I mean, but it, now, good point. But yesterday he was on the other field. And I didn't get a chance to chart him because I was over here uh, watching Dak do things. And then there was some mm. noise in the background from people who only want to uh, photo op. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but from what I saw yesterday, I didn't see many misses. I only saw one yeah. miss. Yeah, I thought they, he only missed one yeah, yesterday. Yeah, I only saw I one yesterday. One now, qualify it. I didn't see the entire workout, yeah. but I only saw one miss in the several kicks that I saw. So the last two days have been good for Brandon Aubrey. But that's still not enough for me to sit here and say, I feel good. So Mike McCarthy is the one who has consistently said that the Cowboys are still open to signing a, a, a veteran free agent at the position. But they want to test the young legs yeah. first. Yeah. It's Jerry Jones who recently kind of changed, kind of pivoted a little bit and said, quote unquote, we're comfortable with Aubrey being the kicker in 2023. I think that was leveraging to keep the pricing down in the free agency market should the Cowboys have to go there because Jerry was also the same one who, when I posed the question in the press conference to open cap, I said, are you going to bring in a third body? He said, all options are open. The article is out there. It's out there, right? So that tells me that all options are, in fact, open. Am I confident right now? A little more than I was on Saturday. Am I confident enough to say the Cowboys don't need to add another body or potentially bring in a veteran? No, I'm not there yet. And I probably won't be there yet until I see at least one to two solid weeks. And that includes at least one to two preseason games of work of Brandon Aubrey making kicks that he needs to make. I, honestly, I, I hear what both of you guys are saying, but I don't think I get comfortable. I would suspect there are a lot of fans out there that are listening that say they won't be comfortable until we're probably three, four games into the season mm. and you're seeing consistent mm-hmm kicking and and you're seeing and him converting those right because fair. you know that's the thing about kickers when you got a good one you you when after the touchdown you run to the restroom you go get a drink you know you don't worry about the extra point we miss you before dad. you don't you before hold your you and wait and watch yeah you're like oh we, i don't know what's gonna happen and quite frankly I you think don't right realize now, you're not breathing until the kick is made and then you right. hear yourself ex- exhale right. and now going into <laughs> the season i'm pretty sure that most fans probably are going to be a little bit more like I don't know what's going to happen and I don't and, and I don't think we'll get to a point where we feel really comfortable about that until we see consistently over games I'm talking multiple games the ability for him to do it and then all it's going to take is one miss for everybody to be like oh gosh oh gosh are we going down you know what I'm saying so he just doesn't have the history and and that's the point and I think Jerry actually made the point that that's actually could be a good thing mm-hmm. because he was like you know with younger kickers you don't worry so much about the yips uh, you know, with, with veteran kickers, sometimes they get into these moments where, or these modes where it kind of gets in their head and they're missing unexpected kicks for no real reason other than it's just in their head. And that tends to happen with more veteran kickers. And so I think at least how Jerry's looking at it, or at least what he's saying to the media, is we're not worried about that so much with a young guy. So at least from that standpoint, we, we feel like he's loose. We feel like he's he'll have it right mentally. And then it's just a matter of going out there and making the kicks, and, and you'll see where it goes. And, and, and maybe he builds fair. that credibility over time. It may be so, and that's fair. And, and you make a great point as far as um, fans probably are going to uh, reserve their comfort for several games into the season of work. I 
I'm willing to go one step farther. I think there are fans out there who won't be comfortable until they see it happen in the playoffs. And that's because of the Brett Maher factor from last year. Brett Maher came back for another stint with the Cowboys and had a resurgent regular season. He was a Mm -hmm. weapon for them in the regular season. And the wheels fell off at the wrong time. And that's another example of the the yips that we were talking about where he was still able to kick field goals. He just wasn't able to kick extra points. It just like. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. field, extra points became a problem for yeah. him, right? So there's going to be a little bit of uh, uh, trauma there from Cowboys fans, from the standpoint of Cowboys <laughs> fans, that might actually carry them all the way to the playoffs in the aspect of, yeah, maybe Aubrey or whomever the kicker is, they're really a, a weapon over the course of 16, 17 weeks. But here comes January, and you're going up against Philly. Or here comes January, and you're going up against San Francisco. And those people, if you ask them then before the game starts, if they feel good about the kicker, it doesn't matter how good the kicker was in the regular season. The Brett Maher factor comes in and go, well, let's see. <laughs> All right, we're going to take our final break. We're going to come back. We're going to get into some of these camp battles. Uh, we'll get through, through a couple of them before we get to some of your questions. Remember, you can also hit us on the text line, 817-290-3298. We'll be back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Want to use the Cowboys locker room's favorite products? Check out the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Playmaker, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The Playmaker includes four Jack Black skincare favorites, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word cowboys. The Jack Black Playmaker, 10 bucks, free shipping. SeatGeek has your back no matter what kind of fan you are. So whether you're a diehard fan or a don't-really-care fan, a we-got-em-next-time fan or we'll-never-win-again fan, a here-for-the-tailgate fan or a first-one-through-the-gates fan, SeatGeek not only makes buying and selling tickets easier than ever before, they made just about everything else easier, too. So whether you're a here-every-week fan or haven't been here in years fan, SeatGeek has you covered. Download the SeatGeek app today. SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a shoulder to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Back to the break. Want to join the NFL's first and only high-energy co-ed dance team in Drums Corps? Sure. 
Okay, maybe your next <laughs> career is a DCRB. Drumline auditions will take place at Next Step Dance at the Star in Frisco on August 27th at 2 p.m. For more information and to register, visit DallasCowboys.com slash DCRB. Welcome back. Final segment. Final segment of the week for the break here in Oxnard, California. Final segment for you, Amber. Okay, uh, we don't need to keep repeating it. Jeez. I mean, the, the people need party. to know. Just, the people oh, need to know. Miss you. The people need to know that you're, you're giving up. <laughs> yeah. Giving up. <laughs> okay. You know something? Actually, though, the by, the time we get back to, uh, by the time we get back to Frisco, uh, we do have a little surprise for our, all the listeners and mm. more for the viewers. Yes. We got some, some little eye candy oh, for you oh, guys oh. when we get back to, to Frisco. That sounds a little inappropriate. No, just kidding. How is that inappropriate? It's just eye candy, isn't yes. that like something? No, it's no, it's, it's candy it's for your things eyes. that are visually appealing. I've only heard that term with okay, you're, many you're definitely, eye candy. Okay, I'm boy, we get yeah. it. You're ready to See, you're ready to get home. She's the worst. We get it. She's we're, you're ready to worst. get home. We get it. <laughs> Hint. No, what I was saying was what I was saying was we'll have some we'll have a new look for you guys when new we get visual. back to, uh, to to Frisco. So for all of you that watch the show, we got some new uh, a new look for you guys to check out uh, when we get back to Frisco. Hopefully, it'll be ready by then. If not, it'll be ready it shortly so thereafter. Good. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully it'll be ready by then. Uh, Two fig- go, fingers crossed by Beamer behind the scenes. Looks folks. almost ready. Yeah, it does. It, it looks looks, looks really looks good. So but good. there are a couple things Can't we gotta wait. still. Figure out. <laughs> um, so here's what I want to do. I got these positions I'm going to push out to you guys, and I want you to to kind of give me your depth chart right now. And we started this a couple days ago, mm-hmm. um, but when you look at, at the position and what you – and I want you to really focus it in on what you've seen out here. Based on what you've seen out, out here, how do these guys stack up and rank for you? Let's start with the running back position. Obviously, Tony Pollard is the top guy, but where does it line out from there Going from one through, let's say four at that position. What do you think, Emma? Man, that's how I feel. <laughs> you just did the big eyes. That's how yeah, I feel. Yeah, <laughs> um, because I feel like a lot of these guys are kind of right there, hand in hand, similar to what they're doing. I will say, and I know we've mentioned his name a lot, but Deuce Vaughn is just a guy that they've been using so much um, all the time. I feel like I see him all the time everywhere not just running the ball but also in the passing game throwing him screen passes uh so it's it's hard to rank it right now because also at the same time i feel sometimes what i'm seeing is a somewhat of an illusion because we know they can't fully tackle here yet and even though in a play it may look like x running back is making a tremendous play and a tremendous run and scaping and cutting, he was tapped several seconds ago. And you're like, okay, in reality, that would have been a tackle and that guy would have been on the ground. So it's a little tricky for me to evaluate right now. But as far as speed, I feel like these guys are just kind of so close to each other. The the unfortunate past few days for Ronald Jones has really uh, kind of made this more clear for me at least as we have this conversation. So for me, I'm going to go Tony Pollard, obviously RB1. Um, but removing Ronald Jones from the equation at the moment, uh, I just I can't get over how good and impressive Rico Dowdle has looked. Uh, Why are you removing Ronald Jones? For now, growing injury. Right? Yeah, but I mean, it, and, and the way I look at it is, 
I don't think that injury is one that's going to hold him out that long. He's still going to be a part of the mix when you start thinking about how you're going to construct this team and, and your final roster. Prior to the roster. injury, he looked really good. Right, so no, I, would, I would still like you to keep him in there. Let's no, assume okay. he's healthy. Fair. So assuming he's healthy. Okay, assuming he's healthy. But assuming he's healthy, you still have to factor in the injury component in that Fair. he's missing time in practice, which then allows guys like Rico Dowdle to okay. continue to impress Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn. Okay, so all of that being put on the table, to your point, let's put Ronald Jones back in for the for this conversation. And I still have Rico Dowdle as RB2. There you go. Okay. That's what I so to I got Tony Pollard. <laughs> I got Rico Dowdle as RB2. And then RB3 for me is is a battle since Rojo is in this conversation, is a battle between Rojo and Malik Davis. I think Rico Dowdle is ahead of both of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You see it on the field, but then you also hear it when you're talking to the coaching staff and you're talking to some of these other players. Doesn't mean Malik isn't having a good uh, camp because he actually is. Rico is just, what did Mike say yesterday? We're seeing the healthy Rico. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Pollard, by the way, he was the he was the better of the two last, last year before the injury, the injury yeah, the and then what, the hip injury in week yeah. five that that ended the season. So Rico Dowdle was number two. There's a full on battle between Malik and Rojo at three. Deuce Vaughn, I have him at four. I have Deuce Vaughn making this team. Period. They're going to find a role for Deuce Vaughn. That's what you're seeing out there, yeah. Anbar, yeah. with them consistently using him. Um, so yes, that that's me. Now, if you say, "Well, you can't have a tie at RB three, where does it go?" Uh, I'm going to go with Rojo on that one because he has the body of work. He had, he's still young, 25 years old. He has two rings under his belt, and he has been impressing in camp. Uh, I mean, Saturday, before he went down with the groin injury, he was playing with a chip on his shoulder probably because he's pissed off at the suspension. So Malik Davis, that would make him the odd man out, but not entirely because – this time last year, fast forward a few weeks from now, we were all saying, whatever you do, you cannot really, you can't waive Malik Davis. He's not going to clear waivers. And he cleared, and he made the practice squad. So there's that component where sometimes we really just don't know as much as we think as far as the value equation. So there, there's And that's mine. where I struggle with ranking these two is going back to what we saw last year with Malik Davis and some of the opportunities he got during games and how impressive he was. I wasn't expecting him, a guy like him, to be that good. So I think for me, I still have that in recent memory, some of the the way that he was running and getting into the end zone and carrying the ball. I think is that has carried over into my opinion of what I think of him during this training camp. And that's why some of these guys are just – it's hard for me to put a guy ahead of the other right now. But you also yeah. got to factor in the special teams component because mm-hmm. uh, Malik go. Davis is going to give you some special teams. Rico Dowd is going to give you special teams. Deuce Vaughn is working as being a personal protector for Cavante yeah. Turpin in the regular season. Who did I not mention? Tony mm-hmm. Pollard and Ronald Jones. What? don't have to worry about Tony Pollard's spot. It's secured. That leaves Ronald Jones in that equation as kind of the odd man out. So that's why – that Rojo versus Malik, yeah. that's where I'm at at RB3. Like, whoever can really take the steps forward, that's who's going to be that. But Malik is getting the reps because Rojo's hurt right now. I think the interesting thing about that, too, in addition to that, is uh, Deuce Vaughn, he's the only one outside of Tony Pollard that it seems like they have kind of a clear role for. Mm-hmm. Like, they have things that they want to be able to do with him that maybe are different than the rest of the back. So when you think of it from that perspective, Tony and, and then Vaughn, look like they can make a game day roster because they'll have a role. Then it becomes a situation of the other two got to play special teams for you if they're going to even be active. 
probably only one of them will be active between those three backs that yep. we're talking about, and that guy's going to have to play special teams. So, again, when you start thinking about that, that's where I think for Ronald Jones it becomes very interesting because I'm right. not sure he is the special teams guy that maybe those other two are. And if he can't prove his worth as a special teamer, Bingo. it makes it really tough for, number one, for him to make this team, but more importantly, for him to make a game day roster. Bingo. He would be a guy that would just be basically there, maybe on a practice squad, and you move him up in case of injury and you need to supplement. But that's also the interesting part. Like, is he going to be the guy that they want for short yardage? Does that, mm-hmm. Is that how he defines his role? And if he does that, that could get him onto the roster and, and get him onto the game day roster as well. You can see that ability, and you do, from Rico, Malik, and then a, a small, slippery Deuce Vaughn in between those gaps. So then seeing that from those other three, non-Pollard, kind of devalues the fact that you can do it. So again. Right, it's a question of does he do it better, Correct. and that's my point. Correct. Like I, I think yeah, right science. now what we got to figure out is what is his role and, and how does that role differ from what the other backs can provide. If he can't differentiate himself in some mm-hmm. facet of his game Correct. that makes him a better option than those other guys, it's going to be hard for him to make the team. It's going to be hard for him to make a game day roster. Because right, Bones needs yeah. his guys too. So. Well, that's why I was going to mention, like who do you guys feel – as far as set of skills kind of complements Tony Pollard or picks up what Tony Pollard may be lacking. As far as if we were to go back to last year and what we saw in the differences between a guy like Pollard versus Zeke and what he was able to provide to, for the team when you talk about short yardage situations, who do you guys feel from there that is the one that could potentially provide that for you the best you, you know one thing I, I think I'm starting to think is I think we we grew up in an era I grew up in an era where watching football you always had the thunder and lightning so you wanted the backs that were different Ooh, you're about that to you could use I'm together <laughs> I'm almost starting to wonder if that's There's necessary no like I don't that. I don't necessarily care that they're different what I care about is are they productive mm-hmm. can they be productive and if they're productive in the same way then I still get the value of Neither one of them gets tired because I can sub out one and put the other one in. And even if they're giving me the same thing or similar types of skills, they're rested. And it also allows my starter to rest. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I necessarily need somebody that complements as much as I need because I I do think Tony Pollard is an all-around back. I think he can do it all. The only question I have for Tony Pollard at this point is, can he hold up in a full 17-game season doing it all, right? That's what we haven't seen from him. But he can run between the tackles Mm -hmm. like everybody. Like, he he can do all of it. He is a well-rounded running back. It's just a question of can he do do everything for 17 weeks. And that's where I need somebody else who can step in and spell him and do everything for 17 weeks or a group of guys that can do everything for 17 weeks. My my answer to the question would be it's not – who compliment that's why I said you're gonna you want to touch on what I'm about to say. It's not who as far as a one guy that compliments Pollard the best because Pollard has proven he can be that three down back, mm-hmm. right? And his pass protection has improved. You know, you've mm-hmm. seen him run through the gaps. Uh, obviously he's a lethal in space, right? I think it's you, you kind of play it like the quarterback position in that if your quarterback were to leave the game for any amount of time, the preference would be that your backup has the similar skill set to the quarterback that just left, so you don't have to change up the playbook that much, and the talent drop-off is not so much that now you got to scrap three-quarters of the playbook. I think when you look at it from that equation, Rico, Dowdle, and Malik Davis give you that as far as kind of mirroring the ability of Tony Pollard, although not at the level Pollard can produce. But then if you want the change of pace back, there's Deuce Vaughn for you. Because if you want to do a, a dual running back set and have it unpredictable where Pollard's on, on one uh, side of Dak but then Deuce is on the other, 
Maybe Deuce is taking the ball on the handoff. Maybe he's going out. Maybe Pollard's taking it on the handoff. Maybe he's going out. Or maybe all of this is a lie because actually it's Brandon Cooks on a go route and ha-ha, gotcha, right? So for me, it's not looking <laughs> like for... Like I said, ha-ha. Ha-ha, gotcha. <laughs> for me, it's not looking for the one guy that compliments Pollard. For me, it's two. And if you can give me Deuce Vaughn as that change of pace back and then that well-rounded guy, be it Malik, Rico, or maybe Ronald, if he kind of proves that he can be that, I think that's the right thing. You carry three, one is your change of pace, one is similar skill set to Tony Pollard. Real quick, I'll get a question here uh, from our text line. Remember, guys, if you're sending us these texts, send us your name and where you're from. We'll add that to, uh, to it so we can give you a shout-out. But I didn't get one for this one, but it was an interesting question. He says, once the real games start and the running backs need to block free rushers for real, are any of the current ones on the roster really capable of blocking effectively? Any of the running backs? Tony Pollard and Rico Dowdle. Um, both of them, and, and Dowdle's pass protection is, is quite exceptional. Um, it's not there in the equation of can it replace Zeke. I believe it can replace Zeke, but Zeke was rare in that regard. But Rico is very good at doing it. Tony Pollard has worked hard and become very good at doing it. Deuce Vaughn, Young guy, he's got, but he's willing to throw his body in front of people, which is why he's personal pump protector. Right? Yeah, I, I do question, though, at his size. I, no, I was going to say, I was okay. just about to say, I don't know that I would be comfortable seeing him try to stop a free rusher off of the edge. Yeah, running full speed. Running full speed. That's not the preference, just saying he's willing to try. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's Rico and it's Tony, and I would like to see Malik. Malik is not bad at it, but there's a progression to be made, and he's working on it as well. So for me, the answer is yes, and I'm comfortable if that free rusher is about to go up against Pollard or Rico. I will not – you won't get that from me. But some of the others, I might be like, mm, okay, okay, we're good. Yeah. Right, so. And they can help you. You you know that they're not going to win every battle. Not like They're not going to hold center, up right? anybody. And we saw it last year. There were times where – uh, Tony Pollard was blocking, and sometimes, like you said, type of guy that can just kind of step, be be a rock in the way yeah. for that guy. Disrupt the time. Yeah, yeah, and even Zeke last year, there were times where he and he helped a lot blocking last year, but there were occasions where he would just bouncing off he guys. Got, and he lost. Got sometimes knocked he down. Lose. So it, it's it's gonna happen, but I do think that those guys are capable of giving you or allowing you to get those few extra seconds in advance. Dowdle yeah. said, he told me yesterday, I asked him specifically about um, when did he start taking pride and why does he take so much pride in, in pass protection? He said it started back in high school where his high school coaches basically told him, you better protect our quarterback, and that never left him. And you can see it kind of you know, materializing in front of us for, at the NFL level. And I'll tell you this too, I, I do expect that, and this goes to Mike McCarthy and his offense, I think they're going to have to really think offensively what are good ways in order to get the ball out quicker, in order to maybe get the quarterback on the move, move the pocket. They'll have to do some different things this year beyond just kind of letting him take a five- or seven-step drop and sit back there and wait and wait for a wide receiver to get open mm -hmm. because, quite, quite frankly, it's not just on the running backs. I don't know if this offensive line is going to be able to hold up in that kind of way, in True. those kind of situations. So I think there are going to be a lot of things that will. There will be some screens. We've seen them working on that out here. I think there will be other things that they'll put into the offense that they'll really lean on to be able to force defenses to slow down just a tick. Devontae Turpin? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and, by the way, you got some receivers that can run. So get them to a spot, get the ball out. I think those will be the things that are way more important, in my opinion, than, than us talking about pass protection. Because if they leave it just up to that, mm. just up to the pass protection and, and blitz pick up by running backs, I don't think that's a game they're necessarily suited to be able to play this year. And that's one of the things that Dak said 
in the interview that I did with him, which, by the way, is coming out later today. Mm, I like this. Shameless plug. <laughs> um, Do it. Uh, Do yeah. it. <laughs> um, it's awesome, no. by the way. I was there watching it, so you guys need to watch it because it's just fantastic stuff. Thank you. But he mentioned when I asked him about the difference between Kellen and, and Mike McCarthy or the difference, what is Mike McCarthy trying to do uh, as far as play calling and, and those changes? He mentioned specifically wanting to get rid of the ball faster. Yeah. How do you get rid of the ball faster and get it in those hands of those playmakers? And we have a lot of playmakers. So that's something that hopefully we, we do get to, to start seeing this year and just being just a much quicker, faster offense. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. That's it for us this week at uh, in Oxnard. We will be traveling back to Dallas uh, this coming Friday, and Cowboys will take on the Jaguars this Saturday, and then we'll be back to Oxnard on Sunday, some of us. And uh, and by Monday, we're <laughs> back on the air. Jesus we'll tell you Christ. what happened. <laughs> we'll tell you what happened, <laughs> happened in the game versus the Jaguars. We'll tell you what's, who, what stood out. Give you guys some perspective on that. Till then, for Patrick Walker and Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?